Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. I am ready to give it to you. I want to talk to you about the promise of the Spirit. The promise of the Spirit. We've talked a little bit about the Spirit, and we need to realize that the Spirit plays a big part in what happens in our heart and life. We sometimes go through life in a ritual, but not in a relationship. How many of we understand that? A ritual is something that we do every day. Um, we just kind of do the same thing the same way. We're just in a ritual. But we take our relationship with God in the same way. We take it more as in a, a ritual than it is in a relationship. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes into. That is when the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in us and through us. So when the Holy Spirit wants to uh, do something wonderful in us and through us. And, and I want to look at the, the aspect of the promise of the Spirit. Now, if you go through the Bible and you try to check out some things, there's a lot of statistics on the Scriptures when it comes to the promises of God. So let's, do, let's see how good you guys are. How many do you think are in the Old Testament. How many promises, just promises, are made in the Old Testament? Would anybody like to take a guess? How many promises? Huh? Give me, huh? What? 78. Just 78? Okay, he's, he's really close. Uh, let me just give you the number. He's really close. 78. There's approximately 8,810 <laughs> promises in the Bible. Oh, well, well, okay, in one book. In the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Deuteronomy, the most promises in the whole book in one chapter is Deuteronomy chapter 28 that has 133 promises in it. In the New Testament, there's 1,104, and in the Old Testament, 7,706. So 8,810 of promises in the Bible. These are just promises. And there, that number fluctuates a little bit depending on who's kind of counting them. I give uh, credit to the person who goes through the whole scripture just counting promises. That's a lot of work. But we do have um, computers nowadays. But sometimes a promise is said in such a way that even if you research it, you're not going to get the promise unless you get the context of it. So let's talk a little bit about promises because so many times people... Stay on the premise of God, but not on the promise of God. You remember this thing from last week? This is all the glove. The glove. The glove is a, an interesting thing. If I was to take this glove and I lay it on the table, and I said to that glove, glove, pick up my leaves. Nothing's going to happen. Glove, I want you to clean the dishes. Not the right type of glove, but we get the point. Not going to do nothing because a glove has a purpose. But the purpose is only good when we put our hand in it. Just like you, you were created with a purpose. And your purpose, when you find your purpose, when you find your why you are here and why you do what you're supposed to do, when you find that why, when you find your purpose, you'll understand that this glove is a little bit like you. And God wants to fill you with his spirit. 
God wants to come in, fill you up so that you can become a vessel for him. We've talked about the mystery of the Trinity. Last week, we talked about where your start of salvation started by the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of his spirit coming in to you when you accept him. And then also, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when he fills you for your why, your purpose in life. A lot of times we can be like, uh, uh, you ever have a bag of chips? How many ever go get a bag of chips and it's really this big, but it only has this much worth of chips in it? And the rest of it's for air. Now they do the air thing for a reason, and that's so the chips don't get crushed. But you and I also know the other reason is you don't know how much of chips are in that bag. And so the Spirit of God wants to fill you so you become um, a vessel to be used in the kingdom of God. And we'll, we'll talk more about the glove in the future. I, I want you to understand when it comes to promises of God, God says, I will never leave you. Let's just say that together. One, two, three. I will never leave you. That's God's promise to you that no matter what you're going through, how bad of your day you're having, God said he will not leave you, Hebrews 13, 5. That means God says, I'm present. God is present in every situation you go through. You may not feel him, but he's present. Someone say he's present. He's present. He's there. He's with you. God is with you. God says, I am your shield. I could get into the I am statement, but I'm just going to let you know this morning. I am your shield, Genesis 15.1. That is God's protection. Someone say protection. God said he's present and he's your protection. That's God's promise. God says, I will strengthen you, Isaiah 41.10. That's God's power. Someone say God's power. God promises to be there, his presence. He promises to protect you. He promised you to power you, to give you power for your day, for your living. Some would say that's promise. And then he says, I will help you. How many need some help right now? Come on, raise your hand. How many really need some help? Raise both hands. All right. <laughs> well, God says he's going to help you in Isaiah 41.10. God is your provision. You need help. What do you need? God said he's your provider. But the problem is, in all of these P's that we have in God's promise, we have his presence, protection, power, and provision, we have to pray that God will do those things as we believe him for those things. Communication. So today I want to talk to you about the aspect of the spirit of God, the promise of the Spirit. Jesus promised that when he was going to leave, he was going to send his Spirit. Watch this now. Jesus is on earth. He spent 33 years with his disciples. Three and a half years, he was ministering. He was touching and healing and teaching, and he was preparing the reason, preparing for the Spirit to come after he left. And so let's take a journey this morning to understand that you and I need to make sure that we kind of slow down life a little bit and understand that God wants a relationship with you. 
You know, we struggle with relationships because we have a world today that so many relationships are broken. They're broken because of one reason, one reason, really two reasons. The first reason is God's not at the center of it. The second reason is selfishness. That's the reason why every single relationship has problems. Two reasons. One, God's not at the center of it, and selfishness. Those are the two reasons that affects our relationship. Well, God wants a relationship with you. He really wants you to talk with him. He wants to talk with you. It's really about relationship. And this is where the Spirit of God comes into being. Because Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send you my spirit. Let's look here in Acts chapter 1, verses 3 and to five, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Lord said. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. That's right. 40 days after he died, he came back and 40 days people saw him. You want to talk about evidence? No, oh, it's plenty of evidence there. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is what Jesus said. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, my father's promise, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to get this because this is important for our life as people of God. We are people of God that God himself Jesus himself was saying listen to his disciples this is not where it ends this is where it starts I want you to get this the spirit coming was the empowering aspect that makes us who we are we are spirit people spirit driven we are spirit led we need once again to readjust our hearing readjust our hearts and listen to the gentleness of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can lead us and empower us so that we do not depend upon our own things, but depend upon God and God alone. It's a process. It's a journey. But that's why we find here the promise that all are to receive from the promise of the Holy Spirit coming, we find in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This is why the Spirit comes. The Spirit wants to help you be salt, empower you to be light. But you and I have to depend upon God. So many times we depend on our own strength. If a person is a good orator, they don't really ask God for help. If a person's really good in any particular area in life, you know what? We just do it. We don't depend on the Spirit at all. We just kind of do it in our might. When we depend on the Spirit is when we find ourselves in trouble. That's when we say, uh-oh, I need some help. Wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be good if we all said, okay, God, I woke, you wake up in the morning and say, okay, God, okay, you, please lead my life. Spirit of God, lead me today. Speak to me. Help me today. And get into a mind frame of really making some space. Someone say space. Make some room for God to speak afresh. Not just what we want to hear. Not just what we want to do. But allow some room for the Spirit of God to speak to us. Is it not a living hope? Yeah. That's what we're told. A living hope. Well, if it's living you have to give space for it to grow. 
Let's look at the next one here that we find. So we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise for all to receive. Now we have the promise for every generation. Someone say every generation. This is powerful. This is very powerful. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, 39, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and all for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. This is a promise that God is saying that every generation is going to get a chance to receive this spirit. I don't know about you, though that was one of my prayers for my children, that the spirit of God would grab hold of their hearts so that they would then go into the next generation. I cannot tell you how many times I prayed when they were like babies. I started praying for them when they first were babies and stuff. I started praying even for their spouses. I think in the last four years, you know, when they got really older and stuff, I might have weighed off a little bit on that. But, but I mean, I just kept that on my prayer that the Spirit of God, they be led by the Spirit, they be sensitive to the Spirit, they be men that were willing to let the Spirit of God lead them. And that's what God's asking for all of us. To say, can we tune ourselves in to the gentleness of the Spirit of God? Because it is in the Spirit of God great works and great power takes place. It is in the Spirit of God that God does wonders. I want you and I to understand this journey. So let me go to our main text for this morning. It's found in John chapter 16. The promise of Jesus made about the Holy Spirit. This is under, you have to understand that Jesus came. The Bible says in Luke 19.10 that he came to seek and save that which was lost. Right? But there is a greater work even still than that, and that work was so that the Spirit of God could come. If we are going to be people of the Spirit, we must be led by the Spirit, not on our own doings. Some would say led by the Spirit. And you cannot be led by the Spirit unless you have a relationship with God. It's about relief. If you spend very little time in his presence, you will not be led or empowered by his spirit. It is not going to happen. It's like, it's like a, a person who is a doctor. If he spends no time learning and growing about his field, he's not going to be a good doctor. Matter of fact, let's put it this way. Let's suppose a guy, a doctor, goes to school. He goes through his eight years of school to, 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 to be a doctor, and um, he, he finally is a doctor in a certain thing, but you don't know this, but he, he kind of cheated uh, a little bit at like six of the years. He took the first two serious, and the rest of it he just coasted. How many of you really want that doctor to operate on you? I want you to, how much do you think he has really gleaned if he just coasts his way through, if he just does his bare minimum? If he has no desire to really learn and say, ah, I'll learn it later. No big deal. I'll learn it later. I guarantee you, he's not going to be a good doctor. Well, how about if you do the same thing in your Christian realm? You just don't get in the word of God. You don't spend time talking to God. You just, hey, maybe you're just here on Sunday morning. And I'll give you a credit. Maybe you might come one more time and an extra thing during the month. But that's about it. I don't know how people can live with one time a week. I don't know, understand that, actually. 
The only time they get anywhere to God is when they come to church. That is a person who's starving for the word of God. There cannot be an empowerment. There cannot be an empowerment of the spirit of God if you're not connected to God's spirit. Can I hear amen? There's going to be a hunger in the house. There's going to be a hunger because, you know, when you're hungry, listen, listen, listen. When you're really, really hungry and you come home and you're hungry, what do you go for? Where do you go? Refrigerator, cabinet. Man, you open every single door there trying to find something to eat. Open the refrigerator, move things around. Man, what is there to eat? Why? Why? You're hungry. You're hungry. When's the last time you took that same appetite towards God? When's the last time you felt like when your body's hungry, when's the last time you had that same appetite for God? You see, that is what the Spirit will do. It will speak to us. It will so guide us and help us, and it will push us in that direction, but you can also grieve it and not listen to it. No, don't want to do that, Lord. No, uh-uh. Ooh, 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 ooh. No, no, no. And when you grieve the Spirit of God, it affects. So look at this. Jesus here in verse 16, John 16 Verse 7, let's just look at verse 7. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So here's Jesus telling the disciples, and he sends the disciples, listen, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to die. And the disciples get really upset. They don't want Jesus to go. Remember, Peter got rebuked. They don't want him to go. They're very disappointed. But he says, listen, it is to your good that I go away. I want you to get this. It wasn't for God's good. It was for our good. Someone say our good. So the Lord was about to do what he knew he had to do because it was for our good. And even though if the Lord, and he did many times, tell them what was going to happen, they never received it. They couldn't understand all that the Lord was going to go through because the power of the Holy Spirit was about to empower his people for the next step, the next step. And it is so important. When the Lord said it is for your good, this is what Jesus knew was going to happen. I want you to listen to this. And I, when, when you hear this, I want you to think of love, okay? So when I tell you for your good, I want you to really grasp the love of Jesus for you. Here it goes. It was for our good that Jesus was arrested. It was for our good that Jesus was beaten. It was for our good that Jesus was mocked. It was for our good that Jesus is sentenced to execution. It was for our good that Jesus is nailed to the cross with thieves. It was our good that Jesus dies taking the place of a criminal, someone who is guilty. Talk about love. It was for our good that Jesus' lifeless body is laid in the grave for three days. It was for our good that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. It was for our good that Jesus would send his Holy Spirit to empower us for service for such a time as this. When Jesus told the disciples, it is for your good, Jesus knew exactly 
what he was going to go through. It wasn't for his good. What do you think? In the garden, he recognized, and he's like saying, Father, is there another way? But if not, for this reason why I came, not my will, but thy will be done. Did you capture what love is? Love is sacrificial. Love is always thinking about the other person first. Love is in actions, not in words. Love is in an attitude in which we live and have our being. And if we don't get this right, we can't get this right. Now get me, you can't get this right, it can't get this right. But when you get this right, when you get this, this is when the Spirit of God can do a work in you for your greater good, and then it will affect your horizontal. Look what verse 8 says to 11. And Jesus says, And when he, the Holy Spirit, comes... He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Let me share a couple things with you. First of all, when it refers to when he comes, the spirit of God, it's, it's in the masculine there. But that's not correct. When you look at in the Greek, it is a neuter. Meaning the Holy Spirit is neither masculine nor feminine. It's neuter. Neuter is a form of speech in the Greek that is just in the middle. It, there is no, um, it doesn't classify with female male. It's It is just neuter. And it gives the Holy Spirit something that's important for you and I to understand the importance of the Trinity, how he is involved in our lives, but we don't give him much attention. And this is what he says. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. And then it says these three in regard, regard to sin. He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. And what is the sin we're talking about? There's a lot of sins out there. If we go right now and mention a bunch of sins, we could have a whole list, couldn't we? But this sin's mainly focused upon one, to tell you the truth, and he says it right in the text. Unbelief. Unbelief. The sin that people have refused to reject God's messenger and God's message. And unbelief. People will be judged and will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven because of unbelief, because they have refused the messenger of heaven, God himself, the great I am, and his message. Because of unbelief, there has brought judgment. The Holy Spirit is to convict men of their sins, and I'll share a little bit about that in a second, and they are to yield to it, but they have that choice because they're volitional, meaning God created them with a choice in life. Free will. God will say, hey, listen, he created you free will. You can choose on your own. You see, if something's going to happen in our life, there's going to be a conviction, and then from a conviction, you get a conversion. That's how we get saved. How did you get saved? The Spirit of God led you to truth. You received that truth. You said that is truth. And in that truth, You then said to yourself, I feel like I need a savior. Therefore, a conversion takes place because of the conviction. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're a good swimmer. And and so you're on a boat, 
and you jump in the water and I ask you, hey, listen, do you need a life preserver? And you say, no, I'm good. I'm a strong swimmer. I don't need a life preserver. But all of a sudden, another person jumps off the boat, another person jumps off the boat. Before you know it, no one's on the boat. And then the anchor lets go. And then the anchor lets go and people are swimming and diving and having fun. No one knows that the boat now has drifted off. And now someone has to take a swim to the boat. Finally gets on the boat and everybody has to spread water for a long, long time. And they're scattered all over the place. And then finally I get into the person and there's a bunch of people and there's three in the area and I look at them and I ask them, does anybody need a life preserver? And because they're all so tired, they now need help. And because they need help, those that didn't want to take a life preserver, oh boy, they want one now. Oh yeah, give me one, give me one. I'm, I'm so tired, I need help. And sometimes the Spirit of God We'll wait till people get to that point in life where finally they get to a point where they say, you know what, I can't do this. And God gives them a life preserver but through the power of the Spirit and shows them truth. And now they're ready to receive help. Sometimes people in their strength and in their arrogance and all of their puffed upness and stuff and they're all that in a bag of chips. They don't want, you know, I can do it, I can do it, I'm going to do it, you know, my way. Let's sing the song, Frank Sinatra. Not God's way, but my way. And all of a sudden, sometimes people have to go through all of the stuff before finally they say, okay, yes, God, I recognize I'm a sinner. I was sharing Jesus one time with someone. I asked him if he was a sinner. He said, no. I said, you're trying to tell me that you've never done anything wrong? He said, that's what I'm saying. So I said to him, which, you know, I only ran, only ran into one person who's a saint on earth. I just won. And so I said to him, I said, then you have done nothing wrong from all your life. And he was in his early 20s. He says, nope. So you're telling me that you're not a sinner, that God calls, that God says all have sinned and fall short of glory of God. He said, well, I haven't sinned. I have done nothing wrong. So I said, well, you have a nice day. And I left him. <laughs> I did. My conversation with him was fruitless if he did not see a need for Jesus. If he thought he was all that in a bag of chips and he had no sin, had no faults, I can't do nothing for him. I had, a, uh, I had a very rich man come up to me one day and simply said to me, he said to me, Pastor, why do I need Jesus? Look at my life. I have everything I need. And he went on to tell me where he was and, he, and everything he said was true. And then I said, everything you have on this earth will mean nothing when you meet Jesus face to face. And then I gave him the scripture. What is a man who gains the whole world and yet loses his, uh, loses his soul? He profits absolutely nothing. Do you want to take that chance with God? And then I gave him the responsibility things that God has given to you, you things, and you are responsible for the things. For you, your judgment is even more because God has given you more. That didn't change his attitude it just made him think a little bit. The Spirit of God convicts individuals and brings them to a point where they can understand they are in need. A, a, a professor who taught theology, his name was Miro Tenney, and Tenney did a lot of commentaries and different things like that. This is what he describes about the Spirit convicting the world of sin. The Spirit does not merely accuse men of sin, 
he brings to them an inescapable sense of guilt so that they realize their shame and helplessness before God. That's humility. When we recognize that all have sinned before God, when we recognize all have sinned before God, and we realize we need a Savior, this is where it puts us in the Spirit of God, convicts us, we listen to the conviction, but the world has chose not to listen to the conviction. If you look at our world today, the world wants a world without God. They want it their way. So what they're really saying is we want a world without God, and what they're actually doing is pulling out the lines in the parking lot. When you pull the lines out of the parking lot, you get chaos, anarchy, craziness. And that's what eventually you're going to see in our world. And it will escalate and escalate and escalate because without the law of God being in the hearts of man, then man is setting himself up for tragedy. It says in the regard of righteousness, what was saying there when Jesus was talking that because he goes to the Father, meaning that the plan of redemption now is given to all humanity. The plan of redemption for righteousness. How may your eye be righteous? The Spirit of God is magnifying the life of Jesus because Jesus now went to the Father. And the Bible says in John 14, 6, very simple. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by what? Me. So if you're righteous, you're righteous because you have accepted Jesus Christ, the gift that he has given unto us. That's what makes you righteous. You're not righteous because you're good. Look at your neighbor and say, your good's not good enough. God, just tell them, your good is not good enough. Because the reality is we're good because of his goodness and because of the spirit of God and the fruit of the spirit in us bringing forth those divine fruits. Then it said, in regard to judgment, that's talking about the prince of this world. Satan has been judged, has been conquered, has been destroyed by Jesus Christ. I want you to get that. People give devil too much credit, too much credit. He's a created being. He's not God. He wants to be God. That's what Isaiah talks about, the five I wills. He wants to ascend as high as God. And he's all these I wills, he wants to be like God. He's been created with power, but he is not a God of power. A big difference. He is not a God who creates. He's a God who imitates. You have to understand that in which whom we belong to. We have to understand the power of the Spirit of God who desires to empower us to do great things. But if you do not know him, then the power of God will not flow through you because it takes knowing him for God to do a great work in you, through you, and around you. It's when you know who he is because you're willing to stand and, and walk and kneel in his presence and spend time getting to know him. How good do you know your family member? Go ahead. How good? Pretty good, don't you? You live with them, right? How good do you know your friend if you talk to him a lot? How good do you know anybody? If you know them, you spend time with them. That's how knowledge takes place, by spending time with them. It's the same thing with God. That's what the Spirit wants to do. He wants you to spend time in the presence of God so his Spirit can teach you and lead you into truth. When it says in regard of judgment, it is showing you and I that the devil has lost his power through the blood of Jesus Christ. And let me show you this. Dealing with the regard to judgment. Look at this portion of scripture found in Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 
This is a powerful portion of scripture talking how Jesus defeated the devil at Calvary. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Someone say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone say I'm alive. (laughs) He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, And that stood opposed to us. He took it away, kneeling it to the cross. Now, here's the good part. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers of the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphant over them by the cross. Some would say, praise the Lord. I mean, when Jesus died, he defeated the devil's plans. He defeated the devil's lair. I mean, he's a defeated foe. And if you read the book of Revelation, all you're going to see, it ain't going to be much of a battle. There's going to be a whole mess on this world for a while. But when Jesus finally shows up and shows off, there's not going to be much of a battle. Matter of fact, the word says, is this the one that caused all the calamity? Is this the one? Because there's not going to be much of a battle when Jesus shows up. Oh, he may cause some problems, and he may cause the winds to stir and the waves to blow. But your God who rules over everything speaks to those waves and said, Peace, be still. Your God who has the power in the presence. Your God who's with you and promised to be with you. And the power of the Spirit in you. Oh, my word, saints, you are more than you think you are in God. Don't let the devil try to blow out the flame. Let God raise you up to know who and in that name that what you can do for God. That the devil working overtime. But he's only working when you give him room to play. Don't give him room to play. He ain't going to do much. So who are you looking after? Who are you going after? That makes all the difference in the world. Jesus says something next that's really, really interesting, and it just stopped me in my tracks usually when I read this. Because Jesus is explaining everything to the disciples that he's given over and over so many different times. He's trying to prepare them for the future. God's always trying to prepare us. And it says here in verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. I love the portion of scripture, and we've talked about this some time back, about when Jesus said, or it could have been in our Connect class, but when Jesus said, I tell you earthly things and you do not understand, how will you ever understand heavenly things? You know, we're so, we're so finite sometimes. Our thinking, we, 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 we just put boundaries on every side. It's only the way we think, we think, how we think, how we think. God wants you to get out of your own thinking. Your own thinking is dangerous. Stop thinking the way you think. (laughs) And start thinking the way God thinks. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good stuff. Write that down. Stop thinking the way you think. Stop thinking the way God thinks. It will change your life. Here in verse 12, I have more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Meaning you're not going to understand it. You're not going to get it. You know, sometimes... I, I think so often we, as God's people, we strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. We get so bent out of shape, it could be a particular area or whatever it is, and we put all our attention there and we forget everything else. Some say big picture. This is huge. This is huge. Gets this in your heart. Always get the big picture of God. Always get the big picture of God. What is God doing in the bigger picture? 
not just in the piece of the puzzle that he gives you today, because every piece he gives you today is to put to another piece tomorrow and tomorrow. What is God trying to do in the bigger picture? The Spirit of God wants to be involved in the bigger picture in your life. Very important. We see the Spirit here all through. You see Jesus saying this, and then you see God giving revelation to the apostles and giving us more understanding. We see the Paul the Apostle talking about, you know, all of the revelation he gave and how he learned about the rapture through Paul the Apostle and how he learned about revelation through John while he was on the island of Patmos. We have all these other things that God at this time wants to say to the disciples, but they couldn't bear it, but they could bear it at a later date, at a later time. God is continually trying to bring illumination to his word and to his ways, but the only way that's going to happen is spending time with the Spirit of God, allowing the Spirit to speak afresh, learning when God speaks. What does his voice sound like? Somewhere along 2023, we're going to, we're going to take a Connect class on listening, how to listen to God, how to really get to know his, his voice. People don't, people get called confused, and I hear this. Number one question they ask me, how do you tell the difference between my voice and God's voice? Uh, I always tell them this, it's simple, it's very simple. How do you tell the difference between your mother's voice or your father's voice? How do you tell the difference between your son's voice and your your daughter's voice? How do you tell the difference between your friend's voice and your uncle's voice? You get to know the voice. You get to know the voice. Jesus said, "When when they hear my voice, they know my voice, they follow me. That means you can understand and know the voice of God. The problem is we just want to know how. We don't want to put the time in. Someone say the time in. We, we just want a paycheck, but we don't want to work. We want a clean house, but we don't want to put anything in the trash. Come on now. Don't get me preaching. <laughs> Let me just move on to verse 13. Look what it says in verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. The spirit of truth will guide you. This is important that God's spirit has a reason, has a purpose, has a plan why his spirit is here. His spirit is keeping peace on all this world. And when God takes his people out of this world so will his spirit as well. And his spirit will be in two prophets that will be in Jerusalem that will have great power, great testimony. There will still be people getting saved, but it won't be like what's happening today. I want you to get this. The spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. It is part of the triune God, the Trinity, But his purpose, his role, is not to speak about his authority, but to elevate the the life of Christ, to testify uh, and declare the testimony of Jesus Christ. That is what the purpose of the Spirit here is, to empower, to build his church. Someone say build his church. We, saints, if I can encourage you today, need to step up bigger and look at building his church. His church... Is going to continue. But we can do things to build his church right here in Salem County. 
to, when a church is strong, so will the demonstration and the proclamation be strong as it goes beyond these walls so that people, young and older, can experience Jesus Christ and they can, they can be led by the Spirit where they too can do the same. Each one of you should be sharing your testimony with others no matter what. And do not allow the bashfulness come into your hearts. But let the boldness of love come in as you share and care the gospel to others. The Spirit will guide you to the right people. The Spirit of God will guide you in the right way. The Spirit of God will empower you with the words to say if you just, let, if you just open your mouth. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you're going to have a conversation with someone, you have to open your mouth to be able to have words. Unless you're a ventriloquist. But he still opens his mouth. He's just highly casier. Well, I, actually, I don't know if you know this, but my side job is ventriloquism. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? What do you think? Huh? Hey, Monty. Oh, can you see my did you see? Did you see? I can sing. No. <laughs> what do you think? Should I go for a day job, night job? <laughs> Don't quit. <laughs> the Spirit of God wants to empower us for service, but you have to, in order to serve God or speak to someone about Jesus, you have to open your mouth. You know, I don't know what to say. You know, it's amazing. Just care. Just care and love for someone and then let God do the rest. You'd be surprised how simple it is to have a conversation to allow the Spirit of God to give you the words you need to say at that right time. You just give God some room to work. That's all he wants. Look at verse 14 and 15. We will bring... He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. It's simple here. The Spirit will bring glory to Jesus. That's what the Spirit of God is all about. To work, to work and let you know that the Spirit of God is to magnify Jesus. And so we need to be empowered for service. That's what the Spirit, this is what's going to come down to. When he empowers you and fills you, then this glove goes back to work. This glove, if it doesn't work, doesn't fulfill its purpose. So that's why the Spirit wants to fill us, so we can do the work of the Lord. Now, now listen to verse 15, which is really interesting. Jesus says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. What a, what a strong declaration. To say that all that belongs to the, to the Lord is mine. I want you to look at something. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was a word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. He was God. He's with God. In the beginning, we have the word of God. John 10, 30 says, I am the Father, I one. You see all of these taking place, amazing plan for you and I, for you and I, that the Lord has done. And then he gives us his spirit, the same spirit that moved among the waters and created, the same spirit, now greater is he that's in you than in the world. Isn't that amazing? That you've got the spirit of God in you? Wait, wait, wait. Think this for a moment. If the spirit of God is in you, that means great things can be done through you. But how many of you think about doing great things for God? If God lives within you. Greater is he that's in you than what? In the world. 
So if the greater is in you, how is the world seeing it? What are you doing? Who are you listening to? Your self-talk or God's talk? If God says you're more than a conqueror, what do you say to yourself? Do you say, aren't me? And all you have to do is, all you're saying to yourself is a bunch of negative stuff. Is that what God says? Let me close by two portions of scripture here that I think are pretty powerful, talking about the spirit. Listen to these carefully. The first one uh, I, I want to go to is um, in John, John, 20, uh, John, 15, John 14, verse 15 following. <clears throat> Listen to this portion of scripture and, and follow along with me and see how much is in here. John 14. If you love me, you'll obey what I, what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Someone say forever. forever. Mm, that's interesting. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows, knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Did you see that? What's going to happen in the future? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Does that just not say promise? Do you, I, I, this alone was a message at first, and I said, no, this will be, I, I can go on forever. <laughs> this, do you see how many promises are in this thing? I mean, it's so hard for me just to stay here because I get excited about all the promises, God. Did you see all the promises that your God has for you? I mean, if you had a boat and you put all the promises of God in your boat, your boat would sink if it wasn't for him. Because God has so many promises for you. But how many of promises are you living by, holding on to, believing God for? Are you listening to all the naysayers that are all around you saying all kind of stuff? Are you listening to your own voice? Say, you can't do this, you, this, you can't do this. And you just listen, listen, listen to all the wrong voices. Who are you listening to? God is a God of promise and power and presence for you. Come on, saint of God, mighty Christian, mighty person that God has saved. You can do all things who Christ who strengthens you when you obey God's word and his will. For your life, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And if we can go through life and let the Spirit of God lead us and empower us, wow! Be careful for your limiting beliefs, beliefs that limit you, because you have a limitless God. So be careful on how you put boundaries, boundaries on what God's Word says and the promises He's given to you. Let me just give you one more, because if I don't give you just one more and I continue, we may be here for another three hours. <laughs> just letting you know. Men's, men's meeting. <laughs> They'll enjoy it. <laughs> There's nothing happening today special, is there, Eagles fans? <laughs> <laughs> Not <so later. laughs> I, I do see some eagle... 
shirts here, and um, yeah, I, I got mine too. Oh, I must have forgot it. <laughs> Kansas City. Mm. No, may the best team win. Let's move on to John 14. <laughs> John 14, verse 25. Listen to this. This is a continuation of this scripture full of promises of God, talking about the Spirit of God. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why? Why? Because greater is he that's in you. Now, I, I, I'm going to just say, I, I live in the same world you do. You know, you have, how many have a good day and you have a bad day? Come on, right? Hmm? You have to remind yourself on those bad days who's in charge of your day. Come on now. You have to really remind yourself of where you're going to put your thoughts, where you're going to put your attention, where you're going to put your strength, where you're going to put your hands to. You have to recognize your God is a big God, a great God. And the Spirit of God is promised. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Spirit. And God fulfilled the promise and sent forth his Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, the power of the Spirit came. And those that received it spoke in tongues they have never learned before. They experienced great power of God. And God did a transformational power in them. I remember the day that I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was at a Jimmy Swagger crusade. And I was at his school for some, a little bit, went to a convention there, so a couple things. And, but I was at a crusade. It happened to be in New Hampshire. What city in New Hampshire was that? Do you remember? Portland, not New Hampshire. <laughs> See, I remember it like yesterday. <laughs> it was in Portland, Maine. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember I went into that building. Let me just share something here, just quick, just, just as we close, and we'll go into communion in a second. But I'm trying to lay a foundation here for you to start paying attention about the Spirit of God in your life and spending time in His presence and nurturing that time again, nurturing that time. Don't live on yesterday's old bread. His bread is new every morning. Someone say new every morning. And so get into that presence on a daily basis and just spend some time talking and listening, listening and talking and praising and let God speak afresh as you give room for the Holy Spirit to lead you and equip you and speak to you so you may be his vessel for such a time as this. When I was in Portland, Maine, I was leading youth at the time and I was also, I might have been going to Bible school at the same time. And, um, and so the church was going to one of the crusades, and I brought the youth, all the youth with me, the church, and so we had the, a busload, and we went up there. And as soon as I walked into the building, because I've been hungry for the baptism in the Holy Spirit for over two and a half years, and I had more Baptist friends than anything, and they were all telling me, that's not for today. And I'm like, what's in my Bible? 
And if it's in my Bible, and I see here, and I see here, and I see it here, and I see it here, then guess what? Then I want to believe God. And if it's real, then I'll experience it. And so two and a half years later, someone say later, after many times of praying and seeking, I was like a gorilla when it came to seeking. I was hungry as a hippo. I still am hungry as a hippo today. But I was hungry to receive everything God had. And so, and so I went into the building. As soon as I went into the building, this is something that didn't really ever happen to me. I know you see me break down and cry very easily. Well, that is not me. The, the old me was like a stone. And if I did cry... If I did cry, it wasn't because I was sorrowful. I had a bad anger problem. And so when I did cry, I'm about to tear someone's head off. And I had no control of my anger. So I had some anger issues back then. But God did something to my heart. I walked in the building. No one said nothing to me, nothing. And all of a sudden, I feel this tremendous thing. I can't contain myself. I just want to weep. And I'm like, people can't see me weeping. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) You know? And so, nevertheless, I went through the whole service, and they gave the altar call. I ran down to the altar. I was almost one of the first ones down there. I mean, I had a ways to go, but I think I'm the first one that left my seat. Because as soon as he, I just knew that I knew, and the power of the Holy Ghost was all over me. It was a powerful experience, powerful. Changed my life, really. And all of a sudden, I went down, and, and I was so, I could feel it. It was all over me. It was so heavy. It was so heavy. And then Jimmy started talking and talking and talking. And I'm like, I just want to get the business here, man, you know? And that, 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 that just a, that power that was on me, it left. It just left. And they came, prayed for me, and, and, and I'm like, man, this is my night. I know it's my night. And I was like, and, and, and all of a sudden, they came praying for me. They had a bunch of pastors pray. They prayed. Nothing happened, man. And I'm like, so I just stood there praising God you know, like this. And I said, God, this is my night. I know it's my night. And I am not leaving until, you know, I'm like, I was all in. I'm as in it to win it, man. And all of a sudden, man, God hit me. Mm, I have never been the same. So if you think your pastor's a little crazy, don't blame me. God kind of did it to me. You know what I mean? God kind of did it to me. And I have never been the same since then. Uh, uh, and, and so, and I, oh my word, I wasn't exactly a, kind of a bold, crazy guy, but the Spirit of God came upon me. It was so powerful that I literally thought I was going to blow up. You know what it says? Something you can't contain. I was afraid that I was going to blow up. It was just that powerful. My experience, everybody experiences differently. I'm just sharing my experience that was powerful. I must have spoken tongues for so long, and I just stood there, man. I was just praising God, man. And after I was done, oh, my word, I could hardly walk. I was so weak from the experience, and I was so glad that my wife packed the lunch. As soon as I come to the, the bus, man, I said, is there anything to eat? I am starving, man. I don't know if I even chewed the sandwiches. I'm telling you, they were peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I'm telling you what, I ate them so fast, man. I was as hungry as a gorilla. And, uh, but that experience just has changed my life. And I have, God has done so many miraculous works in my life and through my life that I'm going to tell you something. There is a spirit of God. Don't look at what you see. Look to the one in which you know. Amen. Amen. Let's go before the Father. I want to just speak to those online and speak to those here. If I could just have everybody sit down, not move just yet, not move just yet. I want to pray. I want to just pray that if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, I'm just going to ask that you right there online, if you don't know Jesus, and while people here are praying,
They're praying that you would experience his spirit, that you would experience. And so, Father, I ask right now, will you touch each one here and touch those online? Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, will you, Father, do a work? And right now, you can make Jesus your Savior by just accepting him as Lord of your life. Just say, Jesus, I've sinned. Right now, just say, Jesus, I've sinned. I've done it my way. Forgive me. And then ask God to come into your heart by his spirit. Come into your heart and give him your life and yield yourself to him and believe he died. And on the third day, he rose again. God has a plan for your life and wants to empower you as you make Jesus your first love. And if you made Jesus your savior, right today, just if you made Jesus your savior, just raise your hand. I made Jesus my savior. I made Jesus my savior. Uh, and you love Jesus. Father, I just pray right now that you make Jesus your Savior. And I pray right now, Father, will you touch each one? Will you touch those online? Will you, God, go before us as we look unto you? For you, God, are a God who has given up their, hit your life for us so that we may have eternal life. We give you praise. We give you thanks. And this day, this day, I'm yours.